Well, James, I've uh, stumbled across your veranda. You happen to be sitting here, so I'm going to ask you some questions. I suppose the first one is, uh, what have you been up to since leaving Accrington Stanley, where you were a manager? Um, well, since, since leaving Accrington, I've, uh, I've taken a little trip over, been invited over to the States, where my, my friend is the head coach of Bates uh, men's soccer team. I went over there for five days and took some sessions and had a little trip because I hadn't seen him, so he incorporated a little bit of football in there. And um, been going into different clubs to see how they work and, and to, to try and further my education in football. I went into West Brom for a week uh, when Alan Irving was the, the head coach there. Uh, he was my old youth team coach and, and the first team coach at Everton. So he invited me in for a week and uh, recently been in at Swansea for a week with Gary Monk, uh, which was very informative, uh, the different styles uh, that, that the managers have and trying to pick up any, any things that I like. Uh, I suppose it's all relative. Um, they're two Premier League clubs and um, I don't think that I'll be walking into a Premier League club anytime soon. So I suppose... The, the amount of resources they've got is, is something which uh, would be relative to the to the tactics or the or the or the things that they employ at their clubs. Uh, but it's always interesting, and, and as I say, continuing my education and, and to make sure that I don't uh, fall out of the loop. And then I suppose the nature of the beast is, unfortunately, somebody's got to lose their job before I get another opportunity. But. I've sort of got used to that, being out, out of character for myself, but uh, as and when jobs uh, arise, assess whether they're the right job for me and whether I think I'm the right job person to go into that job and then submit my application. So, I mean, you talk about networking, staying in the loop. You're obviously ambitious to, and, and want to get a job. Have you been actively applying for jobs and what, how has the process been? How have you found it? Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously not been successful up to this point, but um, it's something that I, sp- I speak to much more experienced managers other than myself about, and uh, my interview techniques and, and stuff like that that I've that I've tried to speak to different people about. But uh, I don't apply for every job, as I said to you just then. I think it's it's got to be the next step's got to be right for me, and. Uh, I think it's got to be right, you know, and right for the club as well. And uh, I can't be too picky. I understand that. I think the the career I had in football has allowed me to take some time out, which, as I've spoken to other people about, is is advisable as well when you when you leave a position. And I've been enjoying very much my time with my family and and being able to do things with that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do if I was in a position, which is spend time with them, go to games, like I say, go into to different places, learn how they work. Uh, I've been able to do a lot of stuff with the LMA, the master classes um, that I've been able to go to, and, and that's always good because you've got current and, and ex-managers there who I can pick their brains and, and get little uh, bits of information off them. Uh, the application process and the interview process is um, is interesting. It's something which I've had to get used to and, and get accustomed to because as a player you're always you're always sought after. You know, and I know some managers do get sought after, but you're sort of selling yourself. Whereas you let your actions on the pitch do the talking. And uh, being in front of a, a chairman or or several board members is something which is new to me, but. 
Um, I've had good feedback off the interviews that I've had and um, it was uh, certainly an experience, the first one that I did. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm getting an experience in that field and, and by all accounts I interview quite well. So, I mean, looking for a job just in the, the normal world can be a full-time job. Is, is it the same in, if you're an out-of-work manager looking for a job? Yeah, I suppose so. I, I think that I'm, I'm doing probably all I can do to to try and stay, you know, keep my face around and uh, to be educated on 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 applying for the right jobs that I feel are right for me and, and right for the club. I'm not one to go to games where I think managers are under pressure um, and sit behind and, and, and get pictured there and, and maybe even get filmed there because that's not me as a character and I've been advised by much more experienced managers as a, again than myself not to do it because word spreads fast in football and I don't want to be associated with with uh, you know any any managers that 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 tend to do that and uh, I think that as I've said to you before the nature of the beast is unfortunately somebody's got to lose their position but um I've also learned that probably 90 90% of of when a manager does get sacked, the position's already been been filled, or uh, somebody's already in line to take the job. So it's um, it's a very it's a very volatile industry, as you know. But it's it's also an industry where the rewards can be, um, you know, great. And I'm I'm desperate to to get back in and to to show people what I can do again, and to um, to go and make my. Uh, you know, make my mark on a club that's willing to give me an opportunity. We see the same old faces getting picked to do different jobs, regardless of how they've fared in their their previous gigs. Is that frustrating for you? And do you think maybe your age and because you're you're in mid thirties and your inexperience are, are counting against you? Yeah, I would. I would. I would have thought so. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it, it is frustrating for, for, to see that. But um, I've just got to be patient and, and not get frustrated. You know, I'm, I'm confident in my own ability. I'm, I'm very, very confident of what I could bring to a football club, not just not just on the pitch, but but off it as well. And um, I believe that out there somewhere is a chairman that's willing to give a young manager a chance because all these managers that are experienced, uh, even the younger ones. Uh, you know, they they had to start somewhere, and I believe my time at Accrington, I did you know a good job, and I've got a lot of credit within football for taking the job in the first place. But then actually the the job that I did while I was there, and um, I'm just I'm just waiting for another opportunity such as that. Uh, I know I can do it. I know I'm capable of doing it. Getting a group of players that are able to compete. The the budget we were on at Accrington, I I would have said that the the lads weren't weren't supposed to be on the, on the same pitch where you know they've got half the conference that had a better budget than us so it was great we initially got off to a terrible start as was known and I was wrote off at the first instance for being inexperienced and I didn't know what I was doing but the last 31 games of the season we were sixth in the league which is a, a tremendous turnaround and as I said at the time it was it was all down to the lads perseverance and, and my perseverance as well but uh it was it was a great turnaround and and they're the sort of rewards that I want to I want to feel again. While you were there, like you, as well as coaching, doing the usual managerial stuff, you 
made changes at the club. You got you had to get a new training ground. You had to keep clean. You got a chef in. You you made various travel arrangements. Sort of made them feel more like professional footballers, I suppose. When when you're going for jobs now, do you make say whoever is interviewing you aware of of these things that you've gone above and beyond the call of duty? I mean, I think you even put your own hand in your pocket, did you, to pay their tax bill at one stage? I, p- I paid um, a tax bill. Uh, that's because I was desperate to get Cal Naismith from Rangers and we had an embargo on us at the moment, at that present moment. And uh, I thought that he could come in and make a massive difference. And uh, he did. He, he ended up being our top scorer last year. And um, I just don't know. I think that's just me as a character. I think that uh, I, wanted, I wanted to make things better at Accrington and I did. And um, I think I just cared. I showed that I cared about about the club and about the players, uh, about the staff. And I think you get a response from from human beings when you show that you care about things. And uh, you know, I would I would care as much uh, for any job that I go into because when I put my mind to something, I think that I go into it wholeheartedly. And, and usually, when I put my mind to something, I'm pretty good at it. So, uh, as I say, I'm just waiting for an opportunity now to go and. Uh, apply my trade somewhere else and, and hopefully that won't be long So go, going from player to gaffer how difficult is the trans- transition or how did you find it difficult especially when you're manager of players that you used to be teammates with Yeah I think there's got to be a distinction between you being one of the lads and, and being the, the, the boss who, who's in charge and I think that the lads responded to it really well You know, I think they they respected me as a player and, and I think almost immediately respected me as their manager because of the way I treated them. And I think that, um, I just think that it's, it was quite easy, if, if I'm honest. I think that you've always got to, you've always got to maintain your distance from, from the players. But I think you've got to be approachable and, and for, for players to know that your, your door is always open and, and they can come and talk to you. I believe that, I was honest with the players from day one, and uh, I think when you're honest, there's no there's no comebacks. Um, I was always from the, from the minute go honest with the lads, and I think that they responded to that. And uh, whether the the truth is is hurtful or or it's taken on board in the right manner, which it's meant to, then the players use that in and in, in any you know any way they can to to try and improve. And um, I'm not long from being a player myself so I understand what what players uh, what, what what they like uh, and what they want from a manager and I think I was uh, able to use that experience of my own uh, to, to, to fill the boots quite nicely um, when we were under pressure I think I, re- I remained in a, in a, a stable frame of mind uh, when when there were extreme lows, I never got too low. I was always constant with my my approach to to training, and to and to the guys themselves. I would maintain that I would do that in any any position because once they see the, a loss of control from the the leader, then you know they've got no guidance. They've got no way to who to follow, and uh, I think they responded to that well as well. Um, and I just think it's it's a case of me now furthering my education and getting another opportunity to show what I can do what, what's your personal philosophy as a coach like who, who do you admire or if you had not limitless but decent resources how, how would your team play or what, how would it be comprised what kind of players 
Um, well, I think it, it would depend on how long you had as a manager, I suppose, uh, which is can be anything from one day up to 20 years, as we've seen recently. Um, but I think my, my philosophy would be uh, for an, a, a, an expansive attacking team to create lots of chances, but to be in a disciplined shape and have, you know, players that are willing to work hard within a within a team shape and a, and a, a disciplined unit. And, and there's there's all sorts of units on the pitch, and I think the lads would would enjoy the work, which I think is a massive part of being a footballer. And if you if you're going to listen to the the philosophies that I would implement and my coaches would would help me implement at a club, then if they were willing to to buy into that, then they would enjoy football, you know, a bit more because they'd be winning games. Um, I think hard work is is always the bare minimum for a footballer. If you look at teams like Chelsea, who I think, are, you know, the best team in the league this year, every single one of them works hard, and uh, that comes from the coach, you know, Jose Mourinho. And I think. I, 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 as a player, was a hard worker for for the teams that I used to play in, and I think it's a you know it's a bare minimum. But if you can add talent to that, and people and players with flair, and and allow them to go and free freely express themselves in the right areas of the pitch, then I think you you know you're onto a winning formula. And then the other side of it is is obviously off the pitch, getting to know your players, getting to know what makes them work and what makes them tick, and I think just basically showing them that you care about them. Uh, and you care about what happens to them, how the how the career path pans out, and and where they go in their career, and then they start giving you something back, and you 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 know mix all them things together, and I think you've got you know a winning formula. Yeah. Um, football coverage these days, it's you know it's all Optus stats, uh, pro zone heat maps. There's a huge emphasis on tactical formations and then the nitty-gritty of that do you, do you think we're in danger of going into a bit of overkill that in in that regard you know I, I kind of think personally football is slightly more chaotic than some of the the eggheads would have us believe with the you know pushing discs around a, a magnetic board yeah i think that uh, i've got a there's a great saying and and uh you know i stick by it Football is a very simple game, complicated by idiots. Now, it is a simple game. Um, you've got to you've got to score more goals than the opposition to win a game. Now, what goes behind that and how you do that is a lot more complicated. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of upsides to stats, uh, but I believe you're right if you you can rely too much on them. But the I mean. When we was at Accrington, we we did virtually all the scouting ourselves. If we didn't, if he wouldn't have had Y Scout, we probably wouldn't have been able to do match reports on on teams. But as as I say, it's all relative, isn't it? If you've got the resources and the manpower to to delegate jobs to people, then um, you would you would certainly do that. And those people would have to be trusted by by myself and and by my staff to. To make the sort of same decisions that we would, and, and to, put, to put the same sort of reports together at the same level of detail that we would. But yeah, there's a lot of upsides to stats, but I think you can you can you can take it too far, and 
I think there's a lot of jobs been created in the football industry uh, for people doing relatively not much. <laughs> <laughs> Staring at laptops. Um, during your own playing career, when were you happiest? Uh, at what point? I was always happy when I was playing. Um, and but I think uh, you know I think the, the best period in my career was was at Southampton. I mean, you've come down here, although it's quite nippy <laughs> yes. today uh, in the shade. But the, the weather's the weather was great, and and the football and the team, the club was in a transitional period, moving from the Dell to, to St Mary's, and and the club was on the up. It's a, a club that I still hold very dear to my heart, and I've I've been lucky enough to go down and and watch a lot of their games recently. And um, it was just great. I was a, a good time in my life. Uh, he was a young lad enjoying my football and enjoying the, the trappings of being a, a premiership footballer. Um, and when were you least happy? Is that when you're injured or was there a particular... Yeah, injuries never... A... So you had more than your fair share, didn't you? you... Yeah, I had like niggly injuries. I didn't really have any proper serious ones, but, you know, the... The calf muscle was a, a particular bane of mine, and uh, I think the um, I dislocated my ankle once. But yeah, injuries are no, they're not not very enjoyable for a footballer. Um, and also, when you're not in the team and you're not playing, but you are fit as well, that's that's you know difficult to deal with. But I had the strength of of character and the strength of mind to. To work hard, keep my head down, which is what you you advise all the players now that are are on the periphery of squads and and not in squads. I think that um, it is a difficult time for footballers, but yeah, the the more difficult times are when you're not playing, and and obviously now I've retired and I miss playing every day. Um, I only have to see a pitch with nets up to to get that tingle, and unfortunately uh, those days are gone, apart from charity matches and I was lucky enough to play at Ibrox in front of 42,000 a couple of weeks ago for Fernando Rickson's tribute match. And, uh, you know, I scored at Ibrox, which I got a bit of ribbing for, which was the first time. But it was, um, you know, it was a very fitting tribute for Fernando and, and I'm really sorry to see him in, in that state. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the transition from, you know, basically having a reason to get up in the morning to not having one, it must be tough. I have plenty of reasons to get up in the morning. Um, as you've seen, you know, the house is, is full of kids' toys, so I'm, I'm really enjoying spending time with them. And uh, I've got no doubt in my mind that it won't be too long until I'm uh, getting in my car and going to work again. Um, I know I'm doing the right things. I've got so much to offer. I'm really hungry to learn. And uh, I'm just, you know waiting for that opportunity for a, for a chairman to uh, to let me have a go. You, you were talking there about your sort of strength of character and determination and that. How much, of the, if any of that, would you attribute to your, your days as a, a swimmer? Because as, as a teenager or as a kid, you were a very, very good swimmer, one of the best in the country. So I'm presuming long, lonely lengths of the pool gives, gives a young boy lots of time to think about things. Yeah, yeah, I was, um, I used to train a lot on my own in a 50 metre pool, which is, you know, quite a lonely place, but one thing I do look back on is I, I was trying to, always trying to beat the clock, uh, and as you mature and you, you go through certain events in your life, you know that that's not possible. Um, I value 
I value my time and I think that your time is the most important thing that you can give to somebody. And um, it's it's one of them things where naively as a, a 14-year-old, I was swimming, 13, 14-year-old, I was swimming in the pool trying to beat the clock. I mean, you can always beat your, your personal best or your achievements, whatever. But um, as, as we all know, time always catches up with us. And I think a lot of the resilience as well was was when um, I didn't have the best times in my career and people wrote me off and said I was finished. And then I always used to say to the players at, at Accrington, the best thing in life is to do things that people say you can't do. And we were always written off, we were always the underdog, and I've been the underdog a few times in, in my in my career, which I am, you know, which I am now. So I know I can uh, offer a lot and I know I'll be back in the game soon. How hurtful is it when you get written off like that or as a player or if you've got the crowd on your back? I mean, people say, oh, I just shrug it off and it doesn't bother me, but it, it must hurt. I think that, yeah, I think that the players would would definitely um, hear it and they would definitely think about it when they were on their own. But uh, it's how you use that. And I always used to use it as a as, as a spur on, as an inspiration to prove people wrong. And uh, you know, I, sp- I suppose it's a similar situation now where where I'm looking to get back into the game. But you use it however you you know you either rise, stand up again, and, and get on with it, dust yourself down, or you or you fall and you and you become another statistic, as we've just talked about. Do you, Do you have any regrets from your career? If you could go back now and give give the young James Beattie, some advice starting out at Blackburn or whatever, would you say, oh, you, you should have done this or you should have done that differently? Or, um, I mean, there's, there's, always, there's always certain things, isn't there? Um, now I think that as a, as a young player, I used to spend a lot of time on the training ground, um, uh, you know, being being the first out there, whether it be messing about, kicking a ball, or, or trying to hone a certain skill, um, I would have spent even more time knowing what I know now. If I was a young, you know, if I could go back then, um, seeing it as a as an older player who's, who's retired, I would have spent even more time on on the training pitch trying to trying to become better. This is a myth, though. Everyone claims to have been first out last in. So, <laughs> is there anyone who's, who's, you know, hands up? Yes, I was la- always last out and first in. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's been some horrific trainers I've trained with uh, over the years, but then on a Saturday when you put them on the pitch, they're the man of the match. Um, but uh, do they get those kind of guys get a pass from the boss because they're they're that good? Or? If they're producing on a Saturday, yes, they will do. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've, I mean, I've, I've been in that boat a few times, but, you know, as I say, put, put me on a pitch on a Saturday, put, put the shirt on for the club, and, um, yeah, I'd give a hundred percent, and usually, that meant producing the goods, and, uh, I know from personal experience that you can, you can get a lot away with a lot more than what you should do really if you if you're actually producing the, the the goods and keeping a manager in a job yeah. who are the best players you've played with throughout your career um well there's been a few i mean the the guys with the england setup obviously they they were they were right up there like making my debut i think Scholes was in the team beckham 
Michael Owen, uh, played with Frank Lampard, scored over 200 goals from midfield, I think a phenomenal player, but um, I think club level, I think Marion Pajaz was an exceptional player. Yeah, he's probably the only person I've ever seen on a football pitch who can run at full speed and change direction 90 degrees. He, he came in and, and did a great job for Southampton. He'd have had a pretty low centre of gravity, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he weighed about six stone as well. So, yeah, he was a great player, obviously, now the, the national team manager for, for Latvia. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, Kev Phillips was, was a phenomenal finisher um, and, a, you know, a really nice guy as well. Tim Cale, Mikel Arteta when I was at Everton. I think my career's been been blessed with playing with a, a lot of top-notch players. You, you had quite a good education. Like you went to a private school in Blackburn and were, did well. well. Was there ever a question you, you wouldn't be a footballer, that you might continue your studies? Or? I, think, I think the question was I was never going to be a footballer. Um, I always wanted to go into medicine as a young lad. I said to my mates that I wanted to be a brain surgeon, which now they laugh at because they know they've got a little bit of a crazy side, which I think is important, um, where I don't take myself too seriously. Um, but I think the opportunity was, was too good to, to turn down. And I, had a, I remember having a conversation with my father and um, he said, you've got to just do what you want to do because uh, it's probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to try and become a footballer, but you could always fall back on your education and go back to doing that, mm. which um, sounded like a good plan to me, so it took me all of a nanosecond to decide, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. This crazy side you speak of, the, the red mist has descended a few times over your career, I think. You headbutted somebody. Uh, William Gallas. William Gallas. I didn't really headbutt him. I, I, you know, I, if, I, if I look back on that now, I... You'd like to think I would have done a proper job on it. I just he, he was annoying me in the game, and I think it was my debut for Everton on it, or one uh, or, or first league game. I was feeling, yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, he was he was stopping me from getting the ball, and I just ran into him basically. But you know, Mike Riley, who's the head of the refs now, is was quick enough to get the red card out, and um, it was just one of them things. But I, I do pride myself on a good disciplinary record. I think that was the only time. Up until uh, Sheffield United, the second time around, that I'd, I'd been suspended uh, as a player. So, I think me, 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 uh, as this, yeah, me, me record disciplinary wise was was pretty good. You you famously had a exchange of views with uh, Tony Pulis when you were at Stoke in in the dressing room. Could could you talk us through it? I'm not allowed to. Um, I think it's well documented what happened, uh, but. You know, it's it's just just well, I wouldn't say it's just one of them things because it, you know, I didn't agree with it at the time and I still don't. But football's a, an industry where things can be put away and, and swept under the carpet. But that's gone now. Uh, it doesn't have any effect on on my life. What you know whatsoever. Even though people ask me about it all the time, it's probably I must have had such a uh, an uninteresting career as a player. <laughs> it's the only question ever, you know anybody ever asked me about. But you know it's well documented what happened. But um, you know I've I've got a a career now as a manager. Sort of done a pretty good job of reinventing myself as a manager, and you know it's something that I will not be doing in in my career. Put it that way. 
Um, Jack Wilshere's been pictured, you know, having fun with mates on a night out, holding a shisha pipe, which he may or may not have been smoking. Uh, personally, I think it's a big fuss over nothing. But do do you think in this day and age? I mean, I was talking to Matt Letizia recently doing one of these interviews and, and I asked him would he rather been born 20 years later to, because football would, would have been, earned a lot more money and he, he said no because you, you can't put a foot wrong now if you're a footballer everyone has a phone, everyone's on Twitter everyone's an Instagram account yeah. do, do you find that it's just way too invasive and that they're not allowed to have a life anymore? Um, I don't believe that, I think you've got to be smart I think you've got to, you know try and think about the situations that you're in think about the the position that that Jack holds is is a you know a very a very public one um even though he's probably uh got his own private life that he wants to keep private but um if he's in that situation you know I think he, you've just got to box clever and be be on the on the lookout because people are always, even when I was a young lad, people people are always trying to get publicity or gain notoriety for themselves off the back of off the back of you. And he's a very high profile player. Um, I think it's for him and his manager to sort out. But you know, I think if you just try not to put yourself in those positions, if you want to do it, think about the places where you can do it, and you just you know you don't get caught. It's just about. It's just about you know being a bit bit smarter about it, and uh, I think Arsene Wenger's come out and said that it's all sorted. He's not really that interested in it, and it's just like you say, a big hoo ha. I mean, to be on the back pages of newspapers, surely there's better things to report than that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he he's just a kid. He's 23. He's living his life. Uh, you know, he was smoking caught smoking cigarettes or caught with a shish pipe. It's, you know, he wasn't hanging out of a crack pipe or anything, so I don't know. But do, do you think fans take football too seriously? I think they've, I think just everything with the social media side of things and, and the, the amount of coverage that it gets now, I think everybody's got an opinion. And the, the only problem with it is everybody you know, thinks their, their opinion matters. And uh, you know, I think to to Jack, it won't it won't matter what anybody thinks, apart from what Arson thinks. So, you know, that's that's the two opinions that matter in in that uh, instance. And probably, however many million have commented on it, and they've had their two penneth, so they they've got their own sobriety and think that they've had an input on the situation, which is you know, it's fine. Um, come back to your own playing career. One stage of Southampton, you after a bit of a drought, you you'd had ten scored ten goals in ten games. I, I presume at a time like that, as a striker, you kind of feel pretty much invincible that you're going to to score every game. Is that, that the case? Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt like that at, at other times in my career as well. Uh, but knowing you're going to score is is good as a striker, and it's been said millions of times before. You know, if you could bottle that confidence and and that sort of feeling that you have going onto a pitch, I remember you, I remember looking at, in the tunnel at the opposition, whoever it may be, didn't, didn't care who it was, and and just thinking and you know staring at them, thinking they just didn't have enough to cope with me today. I was in that frame of mind, I was that confident, and um, that's just 
the confidence comes from doing the things right that you've you've learned how to do on on the training ground uh, and being able to be in a position where you're in front of however many thousand people and, and being able to do it you know it's alright being able to do it behind closed doors but uh, crossing the white line and being able to do it on a match day is a, is a totally different thing and uh, I think that's one of the main things that splits a lot of a lot of players from you know the good from the great and the and the or good from very good very good from great would you swap your england caps as a five yeah for an fa cup win with southampton that the final you lost against arsenal wow. have you you've thought about that question for a while haven't you wow um i mean silverware would have been would have been nice and that was an amazing week for for southampton for the whole city and my dad, you know, my dad would have seen it. He made, he saw me get my first England cap. Uh, God, what a bad question that is. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of, of of playing for my country and representing my country. And I think that it would be, it would be a shame. Well, it would be a shame. I don't think I would. You wouldn't swap. No, I don't think I would. A final question before we both die. Before <laughs> <told me. laughs> <laughs> um, would you consider managing abroad? Should the you know say somewhere where you don't speak the language? Yeah, I would do. I think football is a universal language. Um, I'll need to add to my qualifications. I think you need your pro license to to manage on the continent, being English. But I've been. Uh, I was. You know, I met uh, Ronald De Boer, who's who's. The brother of Frank, obviously, who's who's managing Ajax, and I'm going to go over there for a week. They've invited me over, uh, which is brilliant. And uh, I think it's important to to look at different places and how they do how they do things on the continent as well, because you you want to expand and, and know as, as much as you can about about the European game. And uh, David Moyes has invited me over to to Real Sociedad, so when things settle down for him, and and it's it's great to see. You know, a smile back on his face and him enjoying management again. It seemed like it the other week when he was, uh, you know, when he got sent off and he was mixing with the fans, eating chips with them. I thought that was, uh, thought that was great to see him. Cost him ten grand, I think those crisps. Yeah, but you know, it's. Uh, I think it shows shows a side to him that that, that not many people know, and uh, I think he was maybe a little bit unfairly treated at, at Man United, but. He's um, he's invited me over, and and I'll I'll continue to to fur, you know as I say further my education in on on the continent, and uh, I would say, I would not rule out anything in football, and me managing abroad one day is is something that I'd be interested in, yeah, for sure.